good. Okay, in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Peggy and Fahim also online. Good to have you with us. So, as we said before, we're starting something new, right? So, we, we just uh, got done with the, with the Epistle of Saint Paul to the Colossians, and uh, I enjoyed it myself. I hope that you enjoyed it also. Hope it was really something that uh, adds more into into our knowledge and our personal relationship before anything else, before knowledge, before information, just the way, uh, what we have and who we are and, uh, and how we behave, how we uh, walk, how we set our mind on, on the Lord as, uh, as we learn together. Uh, with that, and as we talked before, uh, thought of starting something from the, new, from the Old Testament, something kind of, uh, 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 so we're not, stuck at one thing and also we have different pace different uh, uh, exposure to the scripture uh, thought to go through the the or start with the minor prophets with the minor prophets again the minor prophets are called minor prophets not because they are uh, minor in the value but because of the size of the book itself so we'll, as you go through the books uh, Amos Obadiah uh, Jonah Micah uh, uh, Nahum um, all those, <laughs> excuse me, the, the number of the, of the chapters is, uh, is actually small. Uh, so that's why they're called minor prophets. The major prophets, we have Isaiah, we have Jeremiah, we have Ezekiel, uh, Daniel, and then we go on to the list of the, of the uh, minor prophets also. Um, I, I thought before, uh, before we start the book, uh, which uh, which uh, we chose, God willing, which will be the book of Nahum, uh, Nahum, uh, very vague book, if I may say that. Very, it's like three chapters, but uh, you go through it, and then yes, maybe in the beginning you get something out of it, but after this, like okay, you know, what is that, and how does that relate to us, and and all that 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 those questions. So. In order to understand it, I thought we'd give a little bit of introduction, first of all, about, about the Old Testament in general. So, uh, Yusuf, I can have you uh, pass around the first uh, set of papers, and I'll, I'll display it on the screen also here. Uh, the chart, not the other one, so the first one. Uh, this is basically, um, I thought it's better to, try to, to print it instead of just having it on the screen, but I'll have it on the screen for the online people, so uh, it's, it's right there. It's right there. Is it uh, clear for the online? Can you see it? Okay. So we go through the Old Testament and you see all those names and all those uh, characters and, 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 and uh, events and not quite sure who's, who's where, who's doing what, what's the, what's the, the, the order, what's, you know, what's happening. You hear about, about uh, captivity, you hear about uh, Exodus, you hear about uh, promised land. And, but a lot of times it's very confusing. Don't even know who's who's first. Like is Abraham first or Moses? Who came first? What's where is where is Job from all this thing? Where is uh, Zechariah? Where is Zephaniah? What is what is happening? Right. So this little chart that we have in front. Of, I hope it's clear. I hope it's clear. Uh, but uh, uh, it's 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 uh, it's uh, very interesting to see actually the the the, the life. Uh, and the time span of of the Old Testament. So, if you look at at the chart from the from from uh, left hand, my left hand side, your left hand side would be the where it starts with uh, again the Old Testament history, right? You see, like there is one, two, three, four, five rows. 
No. <laughs> Yusuf. The charts, not yes. The charts. Okay. You have the, so not this one. Sorry. <laughs> You're looking at something else. The chart, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now it makes sense. That's why you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who's? <laughs> yes, not those one, two, three, four. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of confusion here on the floor. <laughs> but uh, if you look at this chart again, you, you, you start with, with the, the, the left-hand side of the chart where it says on the bottom uh, or the second uh, row which says creation. Do you see the way where that is? So this is actually the event. This row is is or this line i would say is the event right and then on top of that the uh, major major also events that happened and on the bottom the way on the bottom you see the actual books of the old testament right so for example way in the bottom it says pentateuch which are the five books of moses right the torah the the, the five books of moses that's why it's penta pentateuch and then goes on to history which divides into poetry and prophets, and then go on to the remainder of the prophets also. So that's how, how the, the, the Jewish classification of the Old Testament. And that's why you hear this a lot in the, in the New Testament from the Lord himself, the, the prophets and the, uh, and the, and the uh, Kutubim, which is, Kutub, which is the, 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 the prophets, the prophets and the history of the prophets. And definitely the Pentateuch is by itself as one section, which is the Torah itself. So that's that's the bottom line. Uh, from creation, we know the main the main uh, uh, events that happened is is uh, after this was the flood. Uh, after the flood, you know, we have uh, the, the 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 story after this of Abraham and then Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Joseph went to Egypt, brought all the people with him to Egypt under the bondage. Are you following me? This is all in the middle uh, line. The, then came Moses and Joshua, took them out of the, of, the, of the bondage into the promised land. And then we have the period of the judges, all the, those people who came kind of tried to judge the people and get them into uh, back again to the Lord. And then uh, with the end of the book of, of Judges, where it says that, you know, there was, there was, there was no uh, uh, people left the Lord, right? And then they wanted to imitate the other nations. So they asked for a kingdom and for a king. That's where we have Saul, then David, and then Solomon. And with David establishing the kingdom, uh, of United Kingdom of Israel, not not United Kingdom, <laughs> not the UK, but just to, to keep keep that in mind. With this, with the time of Solomon, then we know that there was what division. There was a separation. The Northern Kingdom, with uh, which is Israel, and the capital is Samaria, and then the Southern Kingdom, which is Judah, and the capital is Jerusalem. Okay. After this because all the kings, most of the kings of, of, of Israel and some of the kings of Judah did not follow the Lord. So the Lord actually kind of brought them into what? Captivity again. So with captivity, captivity was started with the Assyrian captivity to the Northern kingdom first. And on top and on, way on the top, you see the actual years. So as, as you know, as, as the, the closest we go to the, to the, to the time of Christ, the, the lower the number, it's the opposite, right? So start with like 2000 BC and then goes on till 400 BC because we are shrinking the time between that and between 
the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So you, you see that the captivity came, the Assyrian captivity to the Northern first, and then later on the Babylonian captivity to the uh, Southern kingdom. And then with this, after this came the restoration. As we know, the, the, the Lord moved the heart of, of, of the kings of Persia in order to uh, ask or to, to, to initiate the return of the people from uh, the captivity back again to Jerusalem in order to do what? To, to, to rebuild the temple first and then rebuild the wall in the time of Ezra and time of Nehemiah. And with that, you see the end of this uh, uh, chart, which is the restoration, and that ended about what, 400 years before Christ. And then we have 400 years, as it says, silent, nothing, no prophecy, no word, nothing, till the coming of John the Baptist and prepare a way for the Lord and then the, 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 uh, the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this, these are the events. It's very important when you look at this also to see the, the, the years, exactly what happened. So we know, for example, that, that uh, Abraham was like 2000 years before Christ. So it's, it's, it's important to understand that just from, for, 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 for putting things into its, its perspective. We know that David was about 1,000 years, right? We know that, that uh, Isaiah was about, you know, 700 something, right? We know what we will talk about today, which is uh, Nahum was about, you know, uh, 600 something before Christ. So kind of give us some idea. During that time, it was very, very important to know exactly God kept sending prophets in order to keep the, 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 the and, 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 and ask the people and alert the people that they need to, to repent, right? So with that also, so again, if you look at the middle part of the chart, you see the characters, again, Noah with the, with the, with the flood, and then we know the story, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Moses and Joshua leading the people, and then the kingdom. And then from that, after Solomon, you see the start of the, of the prophecies, right? So you see that on the top, there was Jonah, Amos, and Hosea. Those are prophets before the captivity, specifically for the Northern Kingdom. And then there was other set of prophets also for the Southern Kingdom before the captivity. So Obadiah, Joel, Isaiah, Micah, and then uh, uh, going on after this to, to um, uh, what we'll talk about today, Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah. This is all kind of during the time of the captivity of the Northern, but before the captivity of the, of the Southern. Does it make sense or am I going fast? It's, it's very important. Again, this is history, but it's very important to understand exactly where are we at and what happened and who, who, come, who came first. And that gives us understanding for the books itself, for the prophecies and the, 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 the minor and the major prophets already kind of understand exactly when did they start their, their prophecy, why, under what circumstances, what was the political view at that time, what was the spiritual, spiritual view at that time. All those things are very important to understand that. Comes again, so, so the, 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 it's good to know, you know, the big names that we know in the Old Testament, Isaiah, for example, and Jeremiah were both for the Southern Kingdom and they were both before the captivity. 
right? You know that, that again, Ezekiel and Daniel were during the captivity. You know that Daniel wrote his prophecy when he was in captivity. And we know the story of the three youth and, and Nebuchadnezzar and all those things that as, okay, he was during at that time, he was in captivity already, right? Uh, when, when, when the Lord moved the heart of the kings of, 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 of Persia to start the return back to, to, to restore the, 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 the city, the holy city, again, people, Based on this chart, if you don't, if you didn't know, people stayed or the both both uh, kingdoms they stayed in captivity for how long? For how many years? Seventy years, right? Seventy years in the in the captivity. So again, people are settled for seventy years in a different land that became their own land. Okay, so they're settled for seventy years. They have their own houses, own stores, own business, everything. And then all of a sudden, somebody will come. Hey, let's go back to. Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at that time was what? Desolate. There's nothing in there. So like, why would you go? Well, Jerusalem, the temple, the Torah, God, like, very indifferent. Like, what? We forgot about those. Okay. So that's why God started to, to send more prophets in order to tell them what? Go and build. Go return back again. So you see that, that Haggai, Zechariah, uh, and before that, Malachi were were, were encouraging people as we studied Zechariah before Zechariah is to encourage Haggai was to rebuke and the famous verse in Haggai which is how could you leave the house of the Lord desolate and you build your own houses that was that was the theme right so the even though the people who agreed to go back they went back to do what to rebuild their own houses not the house of the Lord so like, what are you doing? You know, the house of the Lord is desolate. You are here to rebuild the house of the Lord. How can you leave the house of the Lord desolate and you start worrying about your own house? So that was uh, Haggai. Zechariah was all more of a, of a encouraging them, come and build. And then also as he encouraged them, he points their eyes towards what the actual, the second Jerusalem, right? The, the New Testament, the church and how we can all build that. And then, you know, we know that at, at, at that time also, you know, the, 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 there were three waves of going back again to, Jeru to Jerusalem from the captivity. The first one was led by Zerubbabel, the second one by Ezra, and the last one by Nehemiah. Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Uh, 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 Ezra, as we know, he, he encouraged the people to build the temple and Nehemiah to build what? The walls, the walls. With all this comes, again, let's go back a little bit with, with Nahum. So Nahum here was uh, in the southern kingdom, right? In the southern kingdom. And, but although he's in the southern kingdom, we'll see that the whole book is actually prophecy about what? Nineveh. Nineveh is what, at that time, is the capital of? Hmm? The capital of, no, the capital of the north is Samaria, the capital of? Uh, of, of, of the south is Jerusalem. But, but at this time, as we will see in the next video here, or you see it in, in this other uh, chart, that Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So we have the empire of Assyria, and then Assyria fell, came Babylon, Babylon fell, came the Greek, Greek fell, came the Romans. So Assyria and Babylon, Assyria and Babel were two empires, but the capital was the same, just different people who took over. 
So Nineveh at that time was the capital of the northern, oh, sorry, the capital of the Assyrian who took the northern kingdom to captivity. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, the empire who took the northern kingdom into captivity. So remember Nineveh also, when we hear Nineveh, we always remember whom? Jonah. Jonah. From the time of Jonah to the time of Nahum, about 100 years. 100 years. And again, the book of, ne of, of Nahum is the fall of Nineveh, the destruction of Nineveh, the wrath of God against Nineveh, which makes us think a city that was all repented, and we, 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 we talk about, about the repentance of the people of Nineveh and the return to God and everything, but obviously something happened that this, was, this didn't last. This didn't last. And you'll see as you'll go through the book itself how much kind of like anger from God towards that city. Although he used the city to do what? To take the Northern Kingdom into captivity. So as a way or a tool for what? Rebuking and putting back the kingdom, the Northern Kingdom back again into, into the right path. I will allow the enemy, I will allow the, the Assyrian to come and take you into captivity as a punishment, if we want to say punishment, but actually as a restoration, right? Because you did not obey and you did not continue in your relationship with me, right? So if, if, if we say something about that, about the book of Nahum, we'll see that it's actually the, the, the uh, as we will talk about it here, the result of being indifferent, if I may say that, right? For Nineveh. But Nineveh becomes what? Just an example. So the question again, like, okay, why is this important to us? He was talking about Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh uh, got destroyed and, and that kingdom is gone. Who cares? But actually, as the book, as a prophecy, he talks about Nineveh as what? as an example for every nation and everyone who will be what? Indifferent. Very, very haughty. Very, again, this is the beautiful, the strong Assyria who captured the whole world and they're very, very, very prideful. So here it talks about what? Remember that there is an actual consequences to your behavior, your behavior. So this is, this is where we add as, as history. Again, the time is about 620 before, uh, before Christ. Uh, the time is also during the time of, of uh, the kings of uh, the, the, the Southern Kingdom, uh, Manasseh and Josiah. And during the time also of other prophets at the same time, which is Jeremiah, Zephaniah and uh, Habakkuk. So as you can see from the chart, Jeremiah, Nahum, Zephaniah and Habakkuk, they're all in the same, in the same box. So that was contemporary prophets at the same time, but each one has his own message, okay? So this is 
kind of just like wanted to share that the chart first so know exactly you know again we look at the old testament and it's like very very confusing we don't know exactly what happened who is before who was where is this and where is that and what what kind of captivity we all hear those those things but we don't know exactly what it is right so again there were two main captivity the one the first one was assyria to the northern and then the kingdom of assyria fell and the 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 uh, babylonian came after them and then the babylonian took also the southern kingdom captive right and then during that time especially during the time of 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 the the, the southern kingdom captivity uh, or before that i would say that came the, the the prophecy of nahum as we will talk about it today okay questions about this yes dream both together are 70 years. Yes, 70 years. So captivity of 70 years. Another number to remember that the people went or stayed in the bondage in Egypt for how long? 400 years. About, yes. And then 40 years in the wilderness, right? So these just numbers to, to understand. Again, the, 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 the value of the 70 years in the captivity, just to know, and we know, we mentioned this before, it's the, 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 the uh, the the understanding that people kind of settled again. If you are away and you left your language, you left your culture, you left everything, and you are planted in a city or in a different country for seventy years, that totally kind of destroy the identity, right? And that's what happened, by the way, to the language. That's where the Aramaic language came. So that by the time of 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 the end of the captivity, people forgot the Hebrew. Right, so out of it came the Aramaic or, you know, the newest Hebrew, if I call it, but it's mainly Aramaic language, right? That's why if you remember the story of Hezekiah, when the people, when, when, when the, 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 the messengers of the king came and uh, talking to them in Hebrew, and then the, 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 the king's uh, messenger said, do not speak in Hebrew because they understand, but speak in, in your language. That was still in the beginning of the captivity or before the captivity, right? They wanted to, 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 to make the people uh, 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 hear the message and be terrified. So they were speaking to them in their language, which is Hebrew at that time. But later on, the Hebrew kind of subsides and the Aramaic language became the more, right? So, and that's why, again, another reason for the, the, the Septuagint uh, translation, because it was translated from, from Hebrew to what? To Greek because the Hebrew people cannot understand the Hebrew anymore. But the Greek was the language of the world, right? Like English now. So there is, the people could not keep up with the Hebrew, could not read the scriptures that are written in Hebrew. So the need to translate it to a common language at the time, which is the Septuagint. Right? So all this is just kind of information before we actually go into the, the, the book itself. The book is three chapters. So, but I wanted to, to, to take that, that, that uh, opportunity to actually kind of review where are we at and, and what's our understanding of this. Any other questions about this before we go on to the next uh, section? Um, yes, Dave. Right, no. Yes, yes. It's human, right? Yes, it's a very interesting concept 
that Nineveh is not Jewish, not from the promised land, not from the promised people, but there is an actual book talking about their destruction, <laughs> right? Which, which again, as there was an actual book about the repentance, right? Like why from the beginning, why would God send Jonah to, to Nineveh? Like not your people, not your chosen people. But from the beginning, that, that, that proves the point that from the beginning, that God's view of the humanity, right? Yes, I, I made to myself my own people, but for a purpose that out of this people will come the Messiah. And then after this, everybody will be my people, right? But even during the time he was still concerned about the nation, right? So concerned about Nineveh, about Nineveh as, a, as a city that needs to be, to, to come back and to repent. And then here you, you see actually the result of that. The result of not repenting, the result of repenting and then things didn't go the way it's supposed to be. So as you will see, the text itself is very, very strong by the way. And it's, it's, it's poetic also. If you read it in the original language, it's actually uh, poetry. That's a beautiful way of, of, of things and, and using different, different uh, words and different expressions to, to uh, uh, stress on the message itself and stress on the meaning itself. Yes, Doreen. The message is for Nineveh. Yeah, it's not, doesn't have anything to do with, with the, 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 the Jewish people, right? Not even the one who were there. No, as a city, a city that kind of actually fell under being prideful, under being injustice, under being, being uh, uh, against the Lord, right? So when you, when you read the text, it says, you know, the, the, the God is, 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 is vengeance and he is wrath. The wrath is not against people, humanity, but against, as it says in the text, against his enemies, his enemies. So it, it, what will tell us actually, and we'll see this right, right in the next few minutes here, it gives us an, the, 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 the first chapter is mainly, and we'll go through this, uh, but let me, let me just play the video first and then we go through it. So what, what those of you probably remember before, there is, there is something called um, the, the, the Bible Project, which brings actual um, uh, short videos of introduction to the books of the Bible, all of it. It's, it's very, very, very well done and, uh, and uh, very uh, interesting to, to see it also. So um, I'll play it here on the screen and I'll play it also on my computer for the online people to kind of understand uh, what's happening here. So let me try to make this at the same time. So, show you welcome. I didn't see you. Hi, Abuna. How are you? Very good. How are you? Good. Thank you. I can actually connect the laptop since this is YouTube. It's not coming through, so let's just do it this way. The book of the prophet Nahum. This short prophetic book is a collection. The book of the prophet Nahum. This short prophetic book is a collection of poems announcing the downfall of one of Israel's worst oppressors, the ancient empire of Assyria and its capital city, Nineveh. The Assyrians arose as one of the world's first great empires. 
Okay. The Book of the Prophet Nahum. This short prophetic book is a collection of poems announcing the downfall of one of Israel's worst oppressors, the ancient empire of Assyria and its capital city. The Assyrians arose as one of the world's first great empires and their expansion into Israel resulted in the total destruction and exile of the Northern Kingdom and its tribes. The Assyrian armies were violent and destructive on a scale that the world had never seen before. And so Israel and its neighbors were awaiting the downfall of Assyria, which eventually came in the year 612 BC. The Babylonians rose up and began a rebellion that overtook Nineveh and brought down the Assyrian Empire. And so chapter two depicts the fall of Nineveh in vivid poetry, and chapter three then explores the downfall of the empire as a whole. But this book isn't just an angry tirade against Israel's enemies. The introductory chapter shows us that there is way, way more going on here. The book opens with an incomplete alphabet poem that began by describing a powerful appearance of God's glory. It's very similar to how the previous book, Micah, began and how the next book, Habakkuk, is going to conclude. And it's God, the all-powerful creator, coming to confront the nations and bring his justice on their evil. And the poem opens by quoting from the famous line of God's self-description after the golden calf incident in the book of Exodus chapter 34. The Lord is slow to anger. He's great in power. He won't leave evil unpunished. And so the rest of the poem goes back and forth, contrasting the fate of the arrogant, violent nations with the fate of God's faithful remnant. When God brings down all the arrogant empires, he will provide refuge for those who humble themselves before him. Now, here's what's really interesting, is that you thought this book was only about Assyria, but Nahum actually nowhere mentions Nineveh or Assyria in chapter one. And when he describes the downfall of the bad guys, he uses Isaiah's language about the fall of Babylon, which happened much later in history. And not only that, Nahum also describes the downfall of the bad guys as good news for the remnant of God's people. It's a direct allusion to Isaiah's good news about the downfall of Babylon. And so all these little details from chapter one, they come together to make a key point. For Nahum, the fall of Nineveh is being presented as an example, as an image of how God is at work in history in every age, how he won't allow the arrogant or violent empires of our world to endure forever. So the message of Nahum is actually very similar to that of Daniel. Assyria stands in a long line of violent empires throughout history. And Nineveh's fate is a memorial to God's commitment to bring down the violent and the arrogant in every age. With this perspective from the opening chapter, the book then returns to its focus on Assyria. So chapter two describes the Battle of Nineveh and the overthrow of the city in progressive stages. So first we see the front line of Babylonian soldiers, and then we read about the charge of the chariots, and then the chaos on the city walls as the city is breached, then the slaughter of Nineveh's people, then the plundering of the city. Chapter three goes on to describe the results of the city's downfall for the empire as a whole. So Nahum begins by announcing a woe upon the city whose kings built it with the blood of the innocent. It's an image of how injustice was built into the very system that made Assyria so successful. But their violence has sown the seeds of their own destruction, and so Assyria will fall before Babylon. The book concludes with the taunt against the fallen king of Assyria. He's stricken with a fatal wound, and from among all the nations that he once oppressed, no one comes to help him. Rather, they sing and celebrate 
is destruction. And that's how the book ends. Now, this is a gloomy book, but it's important to see how Nahum's message addresses the tragic perpetual cycles of human violence and oppression in every age. Human history is filled with tribes and nations elevating themselves and using violence to take what they want, resulting in the death of the innocent. And the book of Nahum uses Assyria and Babylon as examples to tell us that God is grieved and that he cares about the death of the innocent and that his goodness and his justice compel him to orchestrate the downfall of oppressive nations. And God's judgment on evil is good news, unless, of course, you happen to be Assyria. Which brings us all the way back to the conclusion of that opening poem in chapter one, which tells us that the Lord is good and a refuge in the day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. And so the little book of Nahum invites every reader to humble themselves before God's justice and to trust that in his time, he will bring down the oppressors of every time and place. And that's what the book of Nahum is all about. And that's what the book of Nahum is all about. Okay. Hope that helps. If you're a woman over 40 and you want to lose belly fat, stop. Okay. So, thoughts? Yes. Nothing? Okay. Was it clear? I know he's, it's kind of a little bit fast, but, but actually it puts everything into, into like laying uh, the, or putting the whole, the whole book into one uh, big picture, right? One big picture. And actually, it, it, again, as I said, which is very important, answers that question, okay, like why is it important to us, right? If that was a prophecy about a city that's going to be destructed and destroyed, and it is destroyed already, so what is it good, what, is it, what does that mean to us? Right, and I think in the video he hints on that, which is what is the reason for that? God is. Can you? God is grieved by the death of the innocent. So the justice. Okay. What else? Yes, indeed. No. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Example, example for anybody who who follows the same the same way. Okay, okay. What else? Hmm? He said it at the end, which is what. <laughs> yes, I'll I'll bring that that also. I think I have that on the screen here, so I can. Lonnie, welcome. Good to have you. We're, uh, we're studying, we just started the introduction about the book of Nahum in the minor uh, prophets. So just giving an introduction about the book uh, so far. What else? Anything else you wanna say about that movie, that, that short uh, um, clip that we've seen? Right. Right. When there was there were horrible things happened when the Assyrian took and seized the, the, the city 
and we read on it to the point of, of women eating their children, eating their babies, and it's horrible, horrible things happen because of the, the captivity and because they the, 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 uh, surrounded the city and seized it for a long time and they cut off all the sources of water, of food, of everything to the point it was, it was a horrible time. So during the time there were a lot of people, yes, the intention was to kind of, 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 of bring uh, the people back again to their mind, and, but, but they, they, they used it in a very, very, very bad way, right? So again, we have to remember that, that the one thing that, that you know, God allows things to happen, but he is not the source of evil. And, and for such evil things to happen, that was not okay with God. So that's why he said, okay, I will use, or I, your enemies, I will destroy, talking to Jerusalem and to Israel, that I will destroy your enemies. And the one that, that has done this to you, and the one that had, 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 had uh, uh, shed the innocent blood of the city and of the children and of the babies and of the pregnant and of the unborn, right? So that's why, yes, God allowed them, we have to understand this point, God allowed the Assyrian, the, the Babylonian, the Babylonian to, to, to take captive of the cities, of the kingdoms, in order to bring them back to God. But he did not tell them to do all those horrible things. Yes, he knew about it, the foreknowledge, something, but they were very evil. And they were very prideful. Again, we're talking about people who, at one point, the whole city repented by the message of Jonah. The, the, the historian said there probably almost a million people. It's a huge city. But then what happened from the time of Jonah till that time? The people did not keep what they had. That, that repentance did not go from one generation to another generation. So 100 years later, they were all very away and, 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 and went back again even worse. Right? So he's saying here that this was not okay with God. Right? So that's why when you look at the book of, 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 of Nahum, we can, we can divide it into three main uh, 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 themes. The first one is God is jealous. This is from, from chapter one, verse one to verse 15. God is jealous. And that's how it starts the text. God is jealous. Number two from, from uh, chapter two, one to 13, God is judge. He is judge, right? Meaning that if there is something wrong, there has to be a punishment. Or if there is something right, there has to be reward, right? Number three, God is just. Not just a judge, but a just judge. So the third, the third theme for that would be God. Uh, this is from Nahum 3, 1 to, to 19. God is just. God is just. So this is this is where where the 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 the, the uh, classification of the book is. And again, if you look at those three components, you see that that's why we now we need to read that book, right? Because again, the idea of God as as jealous God, right? He and he says like, I am jealous God. I am. I will do this and this and this. But then it goes on again to say that I am slow in anger, right? So judge not as to punish, but judge to make sure that the, 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 there is justice. And there is very important, this is very under very important point to understand that he's not just there to get you. No, no, I am there because I am there, because I am God. And that's a big theme in, in, in Nahum. 
that he is God. And as a God, everything he's, he, he does, he does it right. I was reading something like, he doesn't have a, doesn't do like a sloppy job. Like, okay, just leave things here and there. No, if I do something, I'll do it. And you read this very, very clear in the destruction of Neva. Like, no, I'm destroying the city, I will destroy it. But before that, he talks about himself in, 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 in we'll, we'll, we'll go more into that next, next time. We're just gonna read it together, but, uh, but we'll go next time into actually how, how he, he presents himself, the character of God, right? Yes, yes. When Jonah went to Nineveh to repent, yes. No, no, no. They were Gentiles. They have nothing to do on the message of the Lord. This is, again, this is another beautiful way. God, again, people who are totally Gentiles, they had nothing to do. But they're a big city, as we read in the beginning of Jonah, the great city. And God still had passion and compassion on the city. And that's why Jonah was like puzzled. Like, you know, I know that you are slow in anger and you can go back again and say, no, 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 they are forgiven. So why, why would I even bother going from the first? <laughs> but no, it wasn't because anything. They, did not, they were not related to any kind of, of, of the Jewish or under any kind of the Torah or anything like that. But just as, as a way of God's love towards his people, I wanted to go and do this to them. And they were able at that time to actually understand that this is the word of God, but did not keep that. And that's another thing that's very important to us as you know, giving and keeping the faith and keeping the, 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 the repentance that we have and, and passing this from generation to another, to another, to another. That's the continuation of the church. Any other questions or, or comments on that or on the video that we just, that we've just watched. Yeah, that so far what you said is just consistent with everything else. It's how God has behaved. Yes. It's that he's the jealous God to kill the Moses. With Moses. Right. Yes. And everything else is related to justice and um, carrying out and you know, right. for what right. Exactly, exactly. And that's the beauty of those minor prophets, to be honest with you, because it reveals to us again who God is and what is his character and how he deals with things, right? Whether those things are good or bad. But what, how do we know? It's not, it's not just like, okay, a story that we are reading or just like a period of time that, okay, it's good to know this. It reveals so much how God is interacting with humanity in general. Showing the will. Right. Yes. Yes. This is intentional. Right. That he is in charge. Right. He's in charge. Right. Yes. Yes. He let again. He let let you know the the the, the nations fight with each other and everything. But uh, but he's allowing this for a reason. For a reason. And that's why when we said before, like we don't want to get, you know, especially our way as Orthodox of, of, of looking and reading at, at the Bible, especially the prophecies, we don't, we don't want to get entangled so much into was this really that uh, symbol of that empire and this is what's going to happen and, uh, and the Antichrist is uh, coming from there. That's not the point, right? We're not into the actual 
interpretation, literal interpretation of what does that mean and which empire is this and which this and which that. Yes, it's good. There are some things that are well known, right? But the whole purpose is actually knowing that God is using whatever condition, whatever politics, whatever uh, 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 wars, whatever scenarios for one reason, which is what his kingdom. That's what we're concerned about, his kingdom, not other kingdoms, right? And that's very different because a lot of times you, you, you read and you, you, you see all those uh, uh, commentaries and, 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 and interpretation and, and it gets into very, very, very much detail. So that this really thing happened or not. And I, I remember, for example, you know, during, during the time of the, of the uh, um, revolution in Egypt, right? And the people are starting to mix and to pick pick certain uh, prophecies from Isaiah and that's what he said and uh, Morsi is going to be this and like, come on, this is not the point. That's not the point. Don't get things confused, right? Because going, the, the danger of going under that is what? You miss the full, the whole point, right? Yes, God uses, allows things to happen. He uses powers and uses authorities and uses governments, but the final, final thought is what? That he is the king, as we said in Colossians, that he is the head, that everything belongs to him. Belongs to him. Back again to Nahum. Nahum means comfort. Nahum or Nahum means comfort or compassion. His message of, of the, the, the destruction of Nineveh uh, would actually comfort the people of Judah. Remember, as if you look back again at the charts, that was the time before what? Before the captivity of? The southern, remember that this is important. So during that time, Assyrian captivity already happened to the to the northern, but the southern kingdom, which is Judah and the capital uh, Jerusalem, were were what were still there was still some some attempts of the Assyrian to seize the city and to do this. So for the people of Judah to hear this message at that time, it was what kind of encouraging, right? Like no, these people are going to be destroyed. <laughs> So this is, this is one thing, that he brought comfort, as he, the name is, is, is to comfort, he brought really comfort to the people that the enemy of the Lord will be what? Destroyed. And this is, again, something, if we bring this back again to our day and age, it's very important to understand that, that no matter how strong the enemy is, but that the enemy will definitely be what? Be destroyed, right? So just a side note for that. So let's let's start. Just we have just ten minutes. So let's just read the the, the 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 first few verses here, and just can I get familiar with 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 the text itself? Read it from here, and then I'll bring it also from a different translation because sometimes it's easier, especially with the Old Testament. The burden against Nineveh. And notice again, if, if you're reading Arabic, notice the the translation. It's not in Arabic. Wahi means what? Vision, prophecy, not exactly vision, it's not true, yeah, but it's like kind of like inspiration, like a like a prophecy, something, something that God gave the prophet to say about, about Nineveh. But the actual translation of the word is not just inspiration or something or a message, it's what it's burden. So from the from the get going, you know, there is there is there is there is something heavy, right? 
And that's the same word actually that, that Isaiah used during you know, the, the first part of Isaiah in, in old, you know, he, he mentioned this burden for Moab, burden for this, burden for all the nations that are surrounding. So he had the same, same thing. As this is actually the word of God is actually very, very heavy and it's a burden for the enemies. Zechariah is the same thing, yes, in, in chapter four, I think. Yes, I believe so if I'm, if I'm not wrong. So from the get going, this is the message also that the word of God is what is burden for whom or to whom? To the enemy, to the enemy. So another side note also, as we are reading, as we are, we are we establishing a relationship with the word of God, that the word of God has a heavy weight on the, on the enemy. We can't just let go, let this go, right? This is a very, very important uh, piece of information, piece of, of, of something to hold on to. But the word of God, which is the wahi, it's actually not wahi, it's, 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 it's burden, it's weight. Definitely, definitely. Yes, burden also for those who are not willing to, right? As, as Jeremiah said, it's like a hammer that shatters the rock. The word of God is a hammer that will shatter the rock. So whether that rock is with or against, but it will be <laughs> right. So that's that's from the get going here again, the wahi, right? Uh, load, the actual translation, load of Nineveh, or to the burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. Elkoshite is a city that not quite sure where it is. Some, some writers say that it's probably where right now Kepernahum, uh, Kafranahum. That's the same kind of, they link both together. The Kafr means, means the city, Nehum, Nehum. So the, 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 the El-Kushayt or the El-Kush is, is where uh, Kepernahum is right now. Again, just speculation whether this is uh, correct or not. But it's worth mentioning that there is a link between the name of Kepernahum or Kafr-Nehum and between the book of Nehum as where his original city is. And then here you go. God is jealous right right away right away so he now remember this is a message to burden to Nineveh against Nineveh but also who will hear it the people of Judah right so God is jealous and the Lord avenges the Lord avenges and is furious very interesting text very interesting text. Like, what do you mean? Is this bad or good? <laughs> right? Is he? Is this his nature that he's a furious God that just like, can destroy everything? And that's that's it's 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 amazing when you look at the word in Hebrew, the 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 ghadab, the anger is is from his nose, from his nostril. As exactly you see the caricature thing, the 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 you know the the emoji that that face that uh, fire coming out of the nostrils. That's exactly what the word means. Yes, well, well, we'll see. That's why he goes on after this to clarify also. It's not just furious by nature that I just want to destroy whoever is in front of me. No, that's why he goes on and said that he is slow in anger, right? The text is amazing text, especially in the beginning. So again, I'm reading the, 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 the interlinear translation, Lord of Nineveh's scroll of vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. The actual word is il. Il or, or God, 
here is the translation, the Lord in, in, in Arabic, Rabb, but it's not God. Again, it's, it's different. We have, we have Yahweh, which is the Lord. And we have Il, Emmanuel, right? Yes, Il is God, right? Il or Elohim, which is the plural of Il, the gods or God in the plural. So he is saying that, that Il jealous and avenging. And then he goes on Yahweh, God, the Lord is avenges and furious. But then he, 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 he puts more uh, details into the text. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he deserves wrath for his enemies. So he's now clarifying. It's not just like I am a furious person that I just wanna consume whoever is in front of me, but that, that anger and that wrath is, is against whom? Who's God's enemies? The devil, the devil, right? In this, in this particular text, the enemy was Nineveh who attacked, who sieged, who took people into captivity, right? Although it was his permission. <laughs> this is, this is the, the, the beauty of the, of, the, of the prophecy. But still, yes, I allow this, but still I am not okay with that. Yes. Not to get to that point. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely, that's a very good point, Sherry, that, that these people are the same people who were, who received the message before out of God's love, again, as the judge. Again, the judge doesn't mean it's a bad judge. The judge is judge. There is no good judge and bad judge unless you are, you know, corrupted or whatever. <laughs> but the judge is based on what I have, then I will make the judgment, right? So at this point, there is a big city, there is a people, the million of people that they can be saved and give them an opportunity and chance. So later on, when things goes the opposite, they will still have something to hold on to. But you did not want to do this. So that's why it's very relevant to us, because again, we're not just talking about, about you know, a prophecy in the Old Testament and, and, a, and, a, and a city that got destroyed. No, that's the, as I always say, the story of humanity, right? And that's why he, 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 he clarifies that, that, that he is against his enemies, against his enemies. It's actually, Possessor of fury, avenger to the enemies of him, to his enemies. I'll just continue reading without any without any other comments, so we can we can just get exposed to the to the text, and then we'll we'll get into it more and more next time. God will. Verse three: The Lord is slow to anger. Here it is. And here, by the way, Nahum is 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 quoting Exodus. That's what the Lord has said himself about himself. In the book of Acts, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. It's, again, it's a beautiful text. Again, if you don't know who God is, <laughs> read Nahum chapter one. 
give us an idea. It's not just, again, something to go past it. No, he's telling them, this is who I am. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, we, we forget this. We forget the text. We forget like, okay, well, God is good. God is merciful. We'll deal with him. He will deal with us and just, you know, just go on with our, with our life. But wait a minute. No, no. Be careful. Be careful who you're dealing with. The Lord is slow to anger and great to power and will not at all acquit the wicked. Will not acquit the wicked. Please. <laughs> the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, these are very fertile land, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation and who can endure the fierceness of his anger. His fury is poured out like fire. And again, fire, right? And the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good. Wait a minute, <laughs> no, that doesn't, doesn't sound good at all, what you're talking about, <laughs> right? But why? Because this is, he's doing this against the enemies, right? This is actually, this is out of his goodness. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Beautiful verse. Beautiful verse. But <laughs> with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. Again, his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. For while tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. Talks, start to talk after this about, about Nineveh, about the people. So I just wanted to expose the, the text itself. We will talk more about it because there's, there's a lot to talk about, right? Uh, but again, the idea from the beginning that who God is from one to 15, this is again, what, who is that God? What is his character? And how we can, we can stay in that mindset and stay looking at him as that, that, that this is who we're dealing with. And, and not just taking it very, very light, very light. So the first thing, again, from the beginning of the, of the book is, again, this is who God is. And again, as, as I was reading uh, uh, earlier about this, it's basically saying that he is a judge. Right? As I was, uh, was reading about this, the, 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 he goes, in order not to go either direction that to confused or is God good or God bad or like, why is he doing this? Is he, is he anger? Is he good? Just stick to the idea that he is a judge. <laughs> and he can do whatever he wants to do. And a lot of times we don't understand or we cannot accept that. We cannot accept that. It is not fair. It is not good. It is not whatever. But as we read today, this is all out of his goodness out of his goodness. So just something to, 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 to start that, that, that study 
uh, and, and kind of, again, very, very different text, very different pace of, of things. Uh, it's beautiful to read, to read this after actually reading and going through Colossians, because remember, St. Paul was talking about Christ, about what the head, right, and the creator of all things, and who the, 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 vis the visible of the invisible. And so you, you link things together, and you link and see that there is, there is one spirit for the whole book. There's one spirit for the whole book, which is introducing again, who God is. And based on that, what kind of relationship we have with him also. Good, interesting, <laughs> very interesting, very interesting. And we'll go through it more and more in depth also with the three chapters. Again, remember that number one, the, 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 the classification, God is jealous. Number two, God is judge. And number three, God is just. God is just. And those are very, very, very big cornerstone in our relationship with him. Right? So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue with that from next time, God willing, and just take it you know, uh, slowly as we do and, and uh, stop at the words that we need to spend more time at it and just go through uh, whatever we can, we can go through each time. Good. Okay, thank you. Any questions, people online, Peggy, Lani, and Bishoy? Any questions Thank or comments? Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Good to have you always. Okay. Let's pray and then we'll uh, conclude. In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, my God. We have the Father, Lord, we thank you for the science, for your work, for your love, Lord, that's beyond our understanding, Lord. Uh, allow us to, uh, to submit to you, Lord, knowing that uh, you are the judge, you are the righteous judge, Lord, that wants our 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 salvation, Lord, uh, regardless of anything else, Lord. This is the main thing, Lord, that, uh, that uh, you, you want to reclaim your kingdom, Lord, and destroy the enemy and, and, and liberate your people, Lord, and bring them all, all of us back again, Lord, as uh, one flock under one shepherd. Thank you for this time. I pray for everyone, those who are with us, those who aren't with us, uh, the sick, uh, the, the, the Everyone that's distressed and in need will hear our prayers, supplications, your prayers, and all your saints in your name. Yes, we say our Father who art in heaven. May the love of God the Father, grace of His only begotten Son, the King of the Holy Spirit, with you. Go in peace. Peace be with you all. Amen. Have a good night. Thank you.